0: Hey, and just a quick reminder that the audio-only versions of these Vital MX interviews are available on the Vital MX podcast page. Search for it anywhere you get your pods and let your friends know about it. Welcome back to another Vital MX Industry Insights. This week, I've got former mechanic for Eli Tomac and current testing coordinator and technician for Kawasaki, Brian Kranz, on the line. What's up, Brian?
1: What's happening?
0: Not much, man. Just excited to talk to you. It's been a little while since we've uh, had you on the show or done an interview with you.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, it has you know I've been uh kind of down and out the last year and almost half, and uh just getting back into the swing of things,
0: yeah, I, I want to get to all that, but what the way I do these is I start out with getting your background. Where did you grow up, and you know how did you discover motorcycles and motocross?
1: um so I grew up in Southern California in uh like santa Cruz Valley uh Valencia area. Um, and basically just kind of, you know, grew up riding and racing, um, tracks in Southern California and, uh, um, just, you know, always worked on my own stuff and, and, uh, just grew to have a passion for working on, on motorcycles. And, uh, that led to me going to MMI after I graduated high school and, uh, I was lucky enough um, to get a job at Yamaha Troy, which was the race team based out of Valencia, where I grew up, um, you know, like a month after I graduated from MMI. Um, So that's where it all started. And that was towards the end of 2003 is when I started there. And that was the first race team that I worked for.
0: Okay. Yeah. I I wasn't sure if you did MMI. I didn't think you were part of the Scott Adkins SX MX Tech School because that came a little later. Do you feel like MMI taught you everything you needed to know, or was a lot of that hands-on? Uh,
1: a lot of it's hands-on. I mean, MMI definitely gives you a solid foundation of motorcycles um, in general, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's more geared to put you in a dealership. Um, you know, they don't really ta- teach you uh, the racing side of things so much, even though you know, I did have like a performance class and stuff that I did, and, and I got um, Dynojet certified while I was there. Um, but it's, it's mainly geared to put you in dealerships. Um, the racing side of it is just kind of something um, really that you got to look into.
0: Yeah, I, I want to ask you about that in a second, but I want to back up for just a moment. How far did you go in your racing career? Uh, Amateur-wise, did you go pro? Were you any good?
1: Uh, I mean, I was okay. I didn't go pro, you know, I was a local intermediate rider. Um, and you know, that's kind of actually what led to me wanting to be a mechanic, you know, at at a certain point I realized, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be a professional (laughs) racer. I'm, I'm not going to make a living at this. Um, but I love working on motorcycles. Uh, you know, I always had the cleanest bikes going to the local tracks and, Um, you know, that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to go to MMI, um, try to, you know, broaden my knowledge of motorcycles and, and see where that takes me.
0: Okay. And you said it took you to Yamaha Troy first. How did that gig come about? How did you get that job?
1: Um, so yeah, so like I mentioned, they, they Yamaha Troy is based out of Valencia, which is my hometown. And I actually had one of my buddies that was working for the race team, and uh he was kind of a a shop guy uh we used to call him lot boy (laughs) and uh he kind of got my foot in the door as as just being kind of a helper with him and and doing shop stuff and and just working around the shop and just kind of doing little odds and ends and helping out the mechanics and uh you know a few months after starting there uh Danny Smith's mechanic um, moved up to being our full-time suspension guy and so that opened up a mechanic position and uh, you know they gave me a shot at it and that was you know my first rider Danny Smith in 2004.
0: Wow yeah it's it, it really is luck sometimes I mean you have to have the skills but it, it's people you know knowing the right people and a little bit of luck that get you ahead in this industry.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, it's so much about who, you know, I mean, yeah, like you said, obviously, you know, you got to have some kind of skills and, and knowledge of motorcycles, but you know, definitely knowing people and getting out there and networking goes a long way.
0: Absolutely. Those first few years at YOT, what were a couple moments or things that you learned, maybe some unexpected lessons that have stuck with you through your career?
1: Um man, I learned a lot there. You know, I really <laughs> uh, I was so young and, and so green. Um I just tried to take in as much as I can could and, and uh I, I did a lot of work with uh Frenchie who was kind of the crew chief for the team at the mm-hmm. time and and learned a lot from him and you know, just spending days going down to Yamaha and, and running things on the dyno and just trying things and and uh, you know, I just just tried to take it in every day and, uh, you know, bust my ass and and help out as much as I could. And, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was really good. You know, I stayed with Danny, um, for there, I was with him for two years there and then he went to, uh, motorsport Honda and I actually went with him there. And then, uh, he ended up, you know, going and doing arena cross Mm -hmm. shortly after that. And, uh, yeah i mean the rest is history you know i've I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of good guys
0: yeah well the the key good guy was obviously eli tomac who you started with in 2010 at, at geico honda was that your first year at geico or did you get your foot in the door before the 2010 season
1: um i was actually there i started at so i went to motorsport with danny smith and that was uh 2000 forgive me it's gonna take me a second because it's it's been so long now (laughs) um that was like 2006 and then 2007 um we lost we lost honda motorsport and we're motorsport kawasaki and then that year i was a full-time engine builder for the team and then the team was supposed to fold and then that's when i started talking uh, to the guys at factory connection and and went over there for the started the 2008 season, but then Bobby Hewitt stepped in and actually kept that, uh, that motorsport Cali program going. Mm. Um, but I had already committed to factory connection. So yeah, I I started at factory connection, um, at the end of 2007, um, and worked for Josh Grant 2008. And then Josh went to JGR and then I worked with Medi for two, actually 2009, 2010. And then, uh, started with Eli at the end of 2010
0: okay at the end of 10 and you did 11 years i believe with eli tomac early on how was it getting to know him figuring out what he liked his personality uh you know we kind of know him as a as it seems a little closed off until the last couple of years how was that getting to know him
1: uh yeah you know eli was a very very quiet very shy dude and um you know definitely hard to, to break that shell. Um, but we, uh, you know, as the years went on and, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of success. He had a lot of trust in me and, and my work and, you know, obviously that's why we were able to work together and stay together as long as we did. But, um, you know, our, our relationship, um, was always really good. You know, Eli, he, he doesn't really open up to a lot of people, you know, but he's definitely, like you said, um, the last two, three years has has changed a lot. And I think a lot of it has to do with just growing older and, and starting a family and, you know, that just kind of changes everything. Of course. So, um, but it's been, it's been great to see, you know, see him open up a little bit and, and be more interactive with, um, with the people and, and smiling more, you know, he was, Um, just so much business only for so long, you know, so it's good to see, him, um, you know, loosen up a bit.
0: I agree. I think he's enjoying it more and the fans and the media, we're all enjoying that more as he, you know, winds down the career a little bit. He's still obviously one of the favorites, but yeah, as it's coming towards the end, it's, it's good to see. And I think he'll, he'll really appreciate that once he retires that he did find some enjoyment in it. Um, were you wrenching for him when he won his first race at Hangtown, his rookie race at, in ten? Uh,
1: no, I okay. wasn't actually. That that uh. So he did that outdoor season. That was my last run with Brett Metcalf. Okay. Um. So then I started with Eli at the end of that season. So basically, I started with him for his the start of his um Supercross career, if you will, in, in two thousand eleven.
0: Yeah, and you guys went on to win multiple championships the first one in supercross 2012 just like talk about how that for you as a mechanic the how that first championship felt
1: oh man it was amazing (laughs) um you know to win to win any title is is just so special um it's i think you know, 2011 was his rookie year mm-hmm. at Supercross. And we actually, it came down to Vegas for us winning that title. It was um, us against Brock Tickle and it. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I work with Brock Brock uh, really closely now for, for Kawasaki. But uh, um, I think he won that title by like one or two points. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think that was kind of a blessing that we didn't win. Um, cause back then I think if you won the title, you only had a year to defend it and you had to move up. Right. Um, and so he would have had to move up at a really young age and, and I don't think he would have been nearly as ready as he needed to be to, to make that move then. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, it was crazy, you know, coming down to the wire our rookie year and then being able to come the next year and, and, uh, get it done was, was really cool. You know, I, I thought that we were going to back it up in 13, um, as well, you know, we started out the season on fire, winning the first three races, and then had a big crash in Oakland, and that kind of set us back. But um, yeah, that first championship is was special. It's definitely something uh, I'll never forget.
0: And you did end up winning the outdoor championship in thirteen. When you compare yeah. the two outdoors to indoors, does one he- play heavier on your heart than the other?
1: Um, you know, for I think for for mechanics. Uh an outdoor title is is much harder to get. You know, the bikes are are just getting destroyed in every moto. Um so it's it's more grueling, it's a lot more work, where super cross um is generally, you know, pretty clean and, and pretty easy. Um so you know, as far as workload, the outdoor title um is definitely for us a lot harder to get. You know, it's yep. just, uh, yeah, it's crazy what they do to these motorcycles and, and these outdoor races.
0: Well, it's and you have to look at the mechanics role, too. You guys are there a day early at least, maybe two days early. You got to do your builds. You're setting up tents and canopies. And, oh, and you're, yeah. You're there early in the morning till late at night, and then the next morning you're tearing down the bikes probably or, or whatever the process was for you at that time. Yeah your your role is not just wrenching on the bike for a few hours and and standing there while he races. It's a long, long day or weekend. Oh.
1: For sure. I mean honestly, uh race day race day is kind of like I don't want to say easy, but it it is, you know, cuz all of our work is done. You know, the two or three days prior to that, you know, building the bikes in the parking lots of the hotels we're staying at and getting everything ready. Then, you know, that's, that's, you know, when all the, the real work gets put in.
0: Right. I want to jump ahead to 2016 when Eli left Honda and went to factory Kawasaki and he takes you with him. How was that discussion? uh, And what did that mean to you that, you know, he wanted you to go with him and keep on board with his career?
1: um you know the discussion it was pretty short and sweet you know he told me he was making a move and uh he wanted to take me with him and it was um a pretty pretty easy answer for me it was (laughs) yeah i'm chewing it dude let's let's go let's keep this rolling and um so yeah we went went to cowie and um you know actually our our first year there was pretty tough you know we we had definitely had some ups and downs and um you know it, it was a bit of a learning curve but we finally got rolling and and things started clicking in and, and 17 and from there on out we started winning a lot of races and and were able to uh you know rack up four titles
0: were there any significant changes within the person how you did business from honda to kawasaki anything that really kind of maybe you didn't like or you liked better
1: uh yeah, moving to Cali was was a big change, definitely, because uh, you know, it's it's uh much more corporate than anything that I'd ever been a part of before.
0: Really? Even um, over Honda.
1: Yeah, for okay. sure, okay. definitely. And uh so that that was a big change. Like before going to Cali, I didn't even know what HR was. <laughs> you know, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like it's it's a really big thing and you really gotta, you know, uh, pay attention to stuff when you work in that environment, you know, and, but, uh, so that was the biggest thing, you know, just, just kind of working on for race teams and, and really just kind of doing whatever we wanted to being in that atmosphere was, was a big change.
0: Did the corporate side take any of the fun out or was it still, once you were on the road, still fun?
1: Uh no, I don't want to say it it took any of the fun out. It just uh you know, you just had to to do things a little bit differently, you know, at times, but it definitely it didn't take the fun out at all. You know, it okay. was uh we still we still had a blast.
0: The first Premier Class Championship came in 2017, 450 outdoors, and then the I think I feel like the big one getting the monkey off the back, the Supercross title in 2020. Uh, what are a couple moments that just stand out in any of those? Bro, we did,
1: we did uh, 17, 18, 19 outdoors. We did three in a row.
0: Yeah, so just talk about those those moments and those seasons, and if anything just stood out, any memories, anything that really sticks in the back of your mind.
1: Um, shoot, man. it's They're all just so special. Yeah. Um, You know, just – just winning a race, um, is, is something that, you know, is so elusive to so many mechanics and riders and, and, but winning a championship is, uh, is, it's incredible. And to, to be able to win three in a row in the outdoors, um, was, was something that, you know, I, I never dreamed I would be able to, to be a part of, you know, it's just, uh, cause it's so hard to do. Um, and so, yeah, to win that first one was awesome to win the second one was even better. And then to go three in a row is just like, is this, this is happening right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So
1: it, it it's pretty cool.
0: And the supercross, the first supercross title was that like, I feel a monkey off the back for Eli. Did it feel the same for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, for sure. Unfortunately it was, you know, that, that crazy COVID 2020 year where things were kind of weird, you know, so that, that wasn't really that cool, you know, mm. being, uh, you know, we won the title, which was amazing and, and awesome, but it's like we won the title in Salt Lake and we're down on the podium. And it's just Eli. Like we have none of our team there. Nobody down with us to celebrate or like, you know, be all pumped up together. So that was really really kind of weird so that that was the only thing that was kind of a bummer with it but um you know we still got it done and and honestly that year felt like we almost won the supercross title twice because you know we <laughs> we took the points lead at daytona and then and then it kind of everything went away for a couple months and then we really it was like starting over again uh, once we got to salt lake and um i'm happy we we're able to get it done there
0: Yeah, I want to ask you about non-championship highlights. Anything from your career? I I think you might be the winningest, most successful mechanic. I haven't, you have to be real close, if not the, with everything you've accomplished. But what are some highlights, whether it just be things you got to do traveling? Um, you know, anything that stands out that was like a bucket list you got to check off?
1: Um, I'd say winning Monster Cup. Mm. Uh, you know, we did that twice and we won the million dollars one time. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, that's kind of a special one-off deal. Um, and I, I always really enjoyed doing motocross and nations, even though I was never able to be a part of the winning team. Um, but you know, we went there and we've got podiums, seconds and thirds. Um, and that was, that was always a really cool fun race to me and, and super special. Um, you know, obviously I wish we could have won it and, and brought the trophy home to the USA when I was a part of the team. But, um, you know, it's, it's a tough race, man. It's a <laughs> yes, tough it race to, yes. to, to go and win.
0: Absolutely. It is. Okay. So in 2021 you decided to step away from traveling as a factory mechanic and became the the testing coordinator and technician at Kawasaki what brought that decision on? Was it just you? You have a wife, and I think three kids. Was it just needing to spend more time at home, and it was just becoming too much of a grind?
1: Yeah, that's exactly. It. Uh, I was just, I was really getting burnt out on the travel and and the grind, and and being away from my kids. Like you said, you know, I have three kids at home, and you know, I have a ten year old, a an eight year old, and and my son is five, and it was just time for me to be around more and, and, uh, you know, I was starting to miss, miss things that I'd never get back. You know, they're starting it in the sports and and doing all the extracurricular stuff. And, and, uh, it was just time for me to make a change. And, you know, once Eli told me that he was, he was leaving Cowie and going to Yamaha, um, you know, that was, that was, uh, honestly a pretty easy decision for Mm. me to, to not go with them. You know, I would have had to uproot my family from where we're at in California, move to Florida and, and uh, just uh, where I was at in my life at that time. It just, it, it wasn't in the cards. So, um, it was kind of a, a perfect opportunity, honestly, to, to break away and, and start something different.
0: Yeah. So the, the decision sounded fairly easy, but once the next season started, you know, a one were you kind of like, Oh, kind of missing out, you know, were you missing it at oh, all? Dude,
1: I was, I was a wreck for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I bet. I was, uh, I was a wreck. It took me about half the season to finally like chill out and be like, okay, okay. This is my life. Now I'm not, I'm not traveling every weekend. <laughs> I'm not at the races on Saturdays. And, and, uh, yeah, my wife was, was, didn't think I was going to make it. You know,
0: first <laughs> driving her
1: because I was just, walking around the house just a wreck (laughs) but uh but you know it didn't take too long and and then it became you know normal being away and and uh you know i i really enjoy what i i do now and and being um you know part of the race team and having a big influence on the motorcycle but behind the scenes
0: yeah was it what you expected once you got into that role and what are your roles as as the testing coordinator technician
1: uh, so we hired ba- Brock Tickle mm-hmm. and he's our full-time test rider. So I work closely with him and, and, uh, just developing the motorcycle and, and trying to just make things better, you know? And, and, uh, like, like this year we have, you know, the 2024 model is a completely new bike and, um, you know, we were busting our butts, um, during the off season, Uh, developing it and and trying to come up with settings for the guys so that when they jumped on it, that, you know, they were happy and and comfy as quickly as possible. Um, So, you know, basically that's my role is just, just testing parts and and trying to make the bike better. And if anything is good, then we give it to, you know, Jason and and AC to
0: try. So your role is primarily or only on the race team side. Do you have any uh, connection with the production side?
1: Uh, no, it's, it's the race team only.
0: Is there any communication between the production side and race team side of like, Hey, this is what's coming so that you guys can start preparing or have an idea of what's going to happen next.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, we have a relationship definitely with, with the production side of things. And, and, uh, that relationship is actually getting better and better as every year. Um, but yeah, we definitely, you know, Japan's becoming more and more involved with what we do, and and it's great. You know, we we love having them involved and, and understanding what we're doing here, and because it's such a huge asset for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, just a couple more questions. I, or the next topic is one you would mentioned earlier on the in this interview that you know you kind of had to step away from a little bit uh, in two thousand or in September uh, twenty two. You were diagnosed with T cell uh, acute lymphoblastic lymphoma. A pretty scary form uh, and very rare form of cancer. Uh, I think you found it. If I'm not mistaken, you found a lump under your armpit. Yeah, just kind of go through that and that. Like you were really sick and it was scary for a little while. Um, you know, just kind of talk about the process. And it sounds like you're in full remission, I believe. So yeah, just tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I was. uh, Yeah, in September of 22. Um, So basically, once. Once I got off the road and, and stopped traveling, you know, I, I was able to put a lot of time in into myself and, and, uh, I started doing a lot of mountain biking and started mountain bike racing and was getting in really, I was in the best shape of my life. And, uh, you know, I, I just, one day I found a I felt a little lump in my armpit. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. You know, and didn't, didn't think anything of it. And, um, Uh, you know, a couple weeks went by and then I went up actually to mammoth on a camping trip and did a bunch of mountain biking up there, you know, felt great, came home. And then that week that lump blew up huge. So like Mm. almost the size of a fist and I'm like, okay, this, something's not right, you know? And I went to my doctor and, uh, had a chest x-ray and he said, oh, you need, you need to go get a CT scan right away. And, uh, at that point, you know, I was still feeling okay. Like I wasn't sick or anything. And, um, but I went and got the CT and then that's when, um, they found, you know, obviously I had the lump in my armpit and then I had, a, you know, a, a big nodule on my chest and, and some other stuff going on. And, uh, they're like, okay, you need to go get, you know, a biopsy. And I went and got a biopsy of the lymph nodes in my armpit. And that's when they diagnosed me. And, uh, you know, all this happened within a span of like two and a half, three weeks. Um, and then as soon as I was diagnosed, um, I basically just drove down to San Diego and, uh, checked myself into, uh, the emergency room and said, uh, you know, I have cancer and I need to start treatment right away. And that's, that's where it started. It was crazy. You know, I didn't even have an oncologist or anything. Oh, but no. I was being guided, um, kind of, by my my best friend's wife at the time. She was a nurse, and uh, she was she's the one that like had the biopsy all set up for me and had me in talks with a oncologist that I was going to start working with. But once they had got that biopsy and the oncologist saw, you know, what I was diagnosed with, he basically called and said, "Hey, we don't have time to you know wait a couple weeks for you to meet with me. You need to go start treatment right now."
0: Well thank God for your and, friend's wife and yeah that to oh yeah to know, uh, to get that opportunity cuz a lot of people may not have known that that's what they needed to do.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, my wife and I are driving down to San Diego and we don't know what the hell is going on. You know, our world just got flipped upside mm. down and and uh luckily I ended up, you know, at a really good place and uh, ended up at Jacob's Medical in La Jolla and and uh spent a month in the hospital there and um, you know, started on heavy treatment and that basically, uh, went on, you know, it's still going on. I'm still in treatment, but, um, the heavy stuff for me kind of ended about, uh, four or five months ago and now I'm in what they call maintenance. So I've still, I'm still in treatment, um, till 20, till March of 2026. Um, but it's just a lot lighter now. So, Um, I'm in full remission and I just got to finish out my protocol and, and, uh, you know, pray and, and hope that, you know, I never relapse and this never comes back.
0: Yeah. It's super scary. And I'm glad to to know that you're feeling better and doing better. How gnarly was that treatment? How did it make you really sick? Was, you know, just what were the uh, effects?
1: Um, man, it, it, uh, it's it, honestly it's hard to put into words uh. um it, it is the most terrible thing that you can ever go through in your life um it, yeah it was very i was very very sick um you know there uh at one point the chemo gave me pancreatitis oh, um and that put me that put me back in the hospital for a little over a week and that honestly is probably the worst pain i've ever felt in my life um so that was terrible. And then just dealing with all the side effects from the chemo is, is the hardest part, you know, and, um, it's just so much stuff, you know, from, from being sick to nauseous to, you know, neuropathy, you know, you always, like, I always have a tingling in my, my fingers. Um, you know, a lot of people get in their feet too. Um, like this just actually, uh, last month in December, I had Actually, one heavy round of chemo and um, it actually crippled me. Like I couldn't even walk for a few days because it it messed up the nerves in my legs so bad. So, um, so yeah, it just, it's
0: just scary. It's just basically it's they're just, poisoning your body to kill it. Or.
1: Oh, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, they're just they're pumping you full of poison and it destroys everything, Ugh. um, good and bad. So well, yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy, man. But I'm just. I'm so happy to, to be here now and be able to be back working and, and, uh, just, you know, getting some normalcy back and Mm -hmm. and slowly building strength back.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's end this thing on a couple of positives, high notes. Saw you back at a one this weekend at the Kawasaki rig. I think you're going to make a few of the races. You said has to feel good just to be back at work, back around the crew. Uh, you know, and, and I bet you appreciate it even more now.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it was awesome to be back at the races and, and catch up with everybody and and um, just see all the familiar faces, you know, that I've, I've seen and worked with for so many years. And, uh, you know, through the through everything I went through in the last year and almost a half now, I guess, um, you know, the support and love that I've got from the industry has been um, so awesome and just overwhelming and, uh, very humbling. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just been really cool. You know, that how everybody stepped up to to help me when I was in a time of need.
0: Absolutely. And it's fantastic to hear. Fantastic to see. Um, I guess last question is, did you get a chance to go by and see Eli over the weekend over at Yamaha or do you, I'm sure you guys communicate during the week here and there, but did you get a chance to see him at the race and just, Um, I did
1: go, I did go by there Saturday morning, um, to his rig and hung out for a little bit. Um, he was in and out. Uh, so we talked for a few minutes. Um, not, nothing crazy, but yeah, I was able to see him and and catch up for a minute.
0: Yeah, it's just great to hear. And again, man, it was, I was thrilled to get to see you. I haven't seen you in a long time. So, um, glad you're back. Glad you're doing better. And I just hope it continues that upward path. Um, and I really appreciate you giving some time for us tonight. It's been too long
1: yeah yeah thank you so much man i appreciate it and uh anytime it's my pleasure
0: all right well man thanks again and uh, yeah we'll talk soon
1: all right sounds good